as a team, I don't, I don't, I don't know where Milwaukee goes from here. Because what are you? Whoa, 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 whoa! So listen. is this over? No, listen. I think it's over. This series is over. Hearing the booze from this crowd. And I think they're born because of the effort on the defensive end, not because just the win and the loss. Way back. Get up. Get out of here. Go. Rainbows high and deep. Touchdown, Wisconsin. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. A lot of crow being eaten today. A lot of crow being eaten about the Milwaukee Bucks. So that's not why I'm here. I'm not here to say this guy was wrong. She was wrong about the Bucks. This show was wrong about That's not why I'm here. I'm here to celebrate with you all, right? This is the Wisco Sports Show. We focus on Wisconsin sports, on Wisconsin teams, and the Bucks. Well, uh, they're making my job pretty easy today. 113-101. They were Game 4 winners last night. The duo of games in Boston is now done, and we will look forward to Wednesday night. Hopefully the Bucks could close things out at Pfizer Forum on Wednesday. The Bucks now lead the series 3-1. to one. Before these two games started in Boston, and, and we were talking about a 1-1 series tie leaving Milwaukee, I said, you don't need to win both in Boston You need to win at least one in Boston and win game five for sure, right? Two of the three, because the only thing that you couldn't have happen, the only worst case scenario in my mind was going into Boston for game six facing elimination. Well, now that's that's out of the question. The Celtics now have to win three in a row should they want to win the series trailing three to one. And uh, the last time in the 2018-2019 Bucks season uh, that they uh, that they lost three games in a row. Let me see here. Let me grab my notes. Last time. Oh, they didn't. Oh, they didn't. Oh, it never happened. It has not happened. Okay. Good to know. They only lost back-to-back games one time, and it took them all the way until March. But it's done. It's over. It was not over uh, when Paul Pierce said it's over uh, a couple of nights ago, or I guess that was last Sunday. I don't, I don't, I don't know where Milwaukee goes from here. Because <laughs> what are you? Whoa, 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 whoa. So listen. is this over? No, listen. I think it's over. I think it's over. I know it's over because the Bucks aren't losing three in a row, especially when two are at Pfizer form. Can you imagine how rowdy it is going to be Wednesday night? How how loud and how out of control it's going to be Wednesday night as the Bucks try to get back to the Eastern Conference Finals since the uh, since the early 2000s, 2001. Bucks just hammering the Celtics last night. And in that opening soundbite, you heard the booze raining down at the end. The Boston fans giving it to their, uh, giving it to their players, giving it to their coach. And, and to be honest, it might have been warranted near the end. Because if you watch the fourth quarter of that game last night, man, Boston laid down. They stopped trying. Right? There's just no energy. There was no bounce on defense. There was nothing. I mean, the Bucks beat them into submission with minutes left in that game. And like we've talked about over and over, this goes all the way back to the regular season. Forget the playoffs. 2018-2019 as a whole, it followed that same blueprint that we've seen. The Bucks execute and, and won 60 games with in the regular season and has only lost once in uh, what would be a, a four-game sweep of the Pistons, and so far, four games against the Celtics up 3-1. to one. Played eight games, only lost one of them, and it's the same blueprint. It's the same MO. Hang around, hold it close, and then when that third quarter rolls around, bam, you go on your run. Now, in the case of the Pistons, 
they would go on that run in the third the, the third quarter. That was all it really took, right? There, there typically wasn't a response. There was not any run of any kind coming back the other way. Well, the Bucks tried to do that in game one, two Sundays ago now, and the Bucks were able to go up by a couple, and then Boston responded, and Milwaukee didn't have the counterpunch. I don't know if they weren't expecting Boston to respond. They weren't expecting Boston to react. Whatever. It didn't happen two Sundays ago, but in the three games since, the Bucks have just closed the house down in the third quarter, and that Trend continued yesterday. Bucks scoring 33 in the third to Boston's 23. I, I think more more impressive uh, than scoring 23 is holding to Boston to 23, although they held them to 19 in the second quarter. That third quarter is so important, especially in the NBA playoffs. Teams are balanced. Teams are good. Teams are talented. They're well coached. That third quarter is so important. I, I made the comparison uh, on Monday, yesterday. That, that if you've ever uh, been a track athlete who ran the mile, especially outdoor, four laps, right? One, two, three, four. Coaches will always tell you, former runners like myself will always tell you, the third lap is the most important because everybody's going to be able to hit their pace on the first lap. For the most part, everybody's going to be able to hit their pace on the second lap. When fatigue kicks in at the start of that third lap, the good runners are going to make a move because they know that when the fourth lap rolls around, everybody's making a move. Everybody's going to give it their all on the fourth lap. Who can get the motor running, who can get the train rolling just a little bit sooner. And that third lap in, in a four-lap, one-mile outdoor track race is oftentimes where you see the best runners make their move, try to build a gap, uh, try to close a gap on a leading runner if they're playing from behind, right? Very similar in, in, in the NBA. Yeah, we're going to come out in the first quarter, play a little bit of defense, we'll be fine. Second quarter, well, let's just get to halftime. All right, there we'll make our adjustments. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to the coach, we'll get some water, use the bathroom, come back out third quarter, and we'll await the fourth. Well, Kyrie, all the talk has been Kyrie's a great closer. Kyrie's the best closer in basketball. And I, and I, to be honest, I don't necessarily disagree. I don't know if you can argue against Kevin Durant so far in this postseason. But Kyrie is certainly the best, if not one of the best closers in all of basketball. Well, he hasn't had an opportunity to close, right? Because the Bucks have gone on that run in the third, the third quarter yesterday, or last night, outscoring the Celtics by 10 in that frame. And, and Kyrie just didn't have an opportunity to make plays down the stretch. I mean, he missed plenty of shots, and we'll talk about that as the show rolls on. They didn't have an opportunity to close, because by the time the end of the fourth quarter rolled around, the Bucks had run away with it, and, and the defense, the, the Celtics had quit. The boos were raining down. They just had no energy, no effort. Kyrie was being weird. He was being passive-aggressive on the floor where he was, he, get, out, get out of here, I'm, I'm guarding Giannis. I'm going to be the one who guards Giannis. Well, you're going to be the guy who gets his face painted when Giannis... It goes up to throw down a slam dunk, right? You're going to be the one who get, who gets put on a poster. Or the guy who gets run over. Kyrie finished the game with five fouls last night. He's like, he didn't foul out. And in the fourth quarter, I was like, hunt Kyrie. Switch Giannis onto Kyrie. See if you cannot get that sixth foul, get him out of the game. And then it re- and then I came to the realization, the Bucs just didn't care. They, they knew. Kyrie or, or no Kyrie, we're fine. We're going to win. And there was that moment, I don't know if it was yesterday, I don't know if it was in game two, or, or game three, where the Bucs just said, screw it, we're so much better. And we really don't have to play outside of our routine, outside of our blueprint. <sighs> Kyrie on the floor, no Kyrie, doesn't matter. We're fine. And yesterday, they didn't even hunt him. He had five fouls. I've never seen that in my life before. Where the best player on an opposing team picks up his fifth foul, and they're trailing. You know that Kyrie can't come out of the game. And the Bucs didn't even hunt him. The Bucs didn't even try to get him switched on to a, uh, to a ball handler, to a score, to see if they couldn't get the sixth foul, because they just didn't care. They didn't care. Kyrie's the best closer in basketball, but he hasn't had an opportunity to close. And yesterday was just another example. 113-101, the Game 4 final. 
Milwaukee now leads 3-1. This is the Wisco Sports Show presented by Played Against Sports. You want to talk Bucks? Uh, give me a call. Give me a text. 608-796-2558 on the five-star telecom talk and text line. You can also reach us on Twitter at WKTY. You can find me on Twitter at Keystroker Grant. We're going to be talking Bucks uh, for most of this show. We got a lot to get to today. A lot of Bucks content to get to. We're also talking about Brewers at the end because uh, Brewers are going to uh, keep rolling tonight. They won last night, which made it four in a row. The, the Mets were just the get-right team. Maybe that's all it took. So we'll talk about that. Coming up at the end of the show as well. Uh, there is a turning point in every NBA series. I don't know if it was last night, but there is certainly a monumental, a major, a huge difference between a 3-1 series lead for one team and a 2-2 series tie, and all of a sudden it's a best of three series, right? Now, I'm not saying that a 2-2 tie would have been the end of the world for Milwaukee because they're coming back uh, and playing two of those final three games in Milwaukee at home. But how big is the difference between... A 3-1 lead and a 2-2 tie. That's monumental. Boston should be crushed. Boston should be frustrated, should be furious today. Not because they lost. Look, you, you lose games in the NBA playoffs. That happens. But in the way that they lost. And you know what? The Bucks today, and I bet they are, should be jumping up and down laughing that they got out of Boston with the win yesterday. Because when you look at it a little more closely, the Celtics should have won that game. We'll talk about that. Get to your phone calls as well coming up next. You're listening to the Wisco Sports Show right here on WKTY. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM. The show is always presented by Played Against Sports. I am your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for tuning in. We're talking Bucks. They took a 3-1 lead over the Boston Celtics last night, and I'm not going to lie, it feels so good uh, to be talking about a 3-1 series lead and a sweep of both of those games in Boston. 608-796-2558 is the five-star telecom talk and text line. Bill wants to talk some Bucks. Bill, what's going on? You know, first of all, in your face, Paul Pierce, uh, take that. Um, you know, at the point, I kind of figured out that it looked like Boston completely gave up on that game. There was a, there was a point about the six-minute mark of the fourth quarter where uh, Bledsoe was double-teamed, and and he split the double-team, and they, they he lost the ball. He kicked the ball out, and he went chasing the ball while Boston defenders watched him. And that's, that's, I looked at my, because my wife actually watched the game with me last night. I looked at my wife and I said, wow, Boston just, just threw the towel in on this game. Uh, it's, they deserved every boo they got last night in that building for the way they performed in that fourth quarter. Uh, Boston should have put up a bigger fight than they did. Bill, Bill, I'm so happy to hear you say that, man. I, I appreciate the phone call. I love talking about a 3-1 series lead over the Boston Celtics right now. Time and place in the fourth quarter, I don't know if it specifically jumped out to me like it did to you, Bill, uh, but I agree. You saw at the end of the fourth quarter, the Celtics just stopped trying. Now, on offense, that was one thing. I think their offense got slower. It got a little bit lazy. They do play a lot of iso ball, so so there is less movement in general. Well, Kyrie Irving likes to play iso ball, but on defense, they just they didn't have it. I mean, the Bucks were getting to the rim. I mean, this was the final scene. We opened the show with this. This was the final scene of the game last night. Celtics are hearing the booze from this crowd. And I think they're born because of the effort on the defensive end, not because just the win and the loss. Booze coming down at a home playoff game. I mean, unless you're in Philadelphia, that's, that's not exactly common. That's not exactly normal. But 100% completely warranted. There is, there is such a monumental difference in Game 4 when you're deciding between a 3-1 series lead for Milwaukee and what could have been a 2-2 tie. And now all of a sudden you just got to win two out of three games. 
And when the when the size when the sample size is that small, any team can get hot for two games, right? You never know. You you shrink the sample size down. That's why the NCAA tournament is anybody can beat anybody because it's only one game. Well, a seven-game series is such a large sample size, you, you oftentimes see the superior team win. And don't get me wrong, a two out of three series is a larger sample size, and that's going to be advantageous to the higher seed, especially because they're playing at home. But but get hot for two of the three games. You never know what could happen. The, the Celtics just laid down in the fourth yesterday, and we're talking about a 3-1 lead instead of a 2-2 tie. And, and last night, the, the win and the loss, that's almost secondary. You heard, uh, you heard Chris Weber talking about how I, they're booing because of the defensive effort. They're not booing because of the result. Look, the Celtics could have lost last night. It could have been a two-point game. I don't think they're getting booed at home, right? Here's why the fans, and I think Boston should be absolutely fuming today. Their players should be angry today. They should be crushed. Yesterday could not have been a more ideal situation for the Celtics to win. We talked yesterday about a couple of things. Let's start with the refereeing, okay? Giannis shot 22 free throws in, in, in game three. He was at the line a ton. And the Boston fans were letting the refs hear it with the chants, with the boos. Kyrie spoke about it after the game, said, you're just slowing the game down. It's ridiculous. Guy gets to the line 22 times. And I came on the show yesterday and said, look, 99% of those fouls were warranted, whether you like it or not. The game is not always going to be played and called like you think the pretty, perfect, uh, sunshine, rainbows, and unicorns, perfect picture of basketball should look like. That's just not how sports work, right? Every team plays differently. Every roster is constructed differently. Every superstar is different. Giannis draws a lot of contact. He plays around the rim. So he's going to get to the free throw line a lot. And yesterday I said, look, even though all those fouls on what would have been Friday night I thought were fine, were warranted, I didn't think there were that many bad calls, even though 22 free throws is a lot for one player, the refs were going to swing back. I said yesterday, I I don't think we're going to see Giannis get to the line that many times. I think we're going to see Boston get a little bit better whistle. And that was exactly the case. Giannis only shot 10 free throws yesterday. And to put that into perspective, Kyrie Irving shot 9. Marcus Morris shot 11. Marcus Morris. Giannis Antetokounmpo is the closest thing we've seen to Shaq. In fact, Shaq says he is better. That Giannis is better than he was at this age. There is no player that is as dominant and unstoppable as Giannis right now. Sure, KD might be the better complete player, the better shooter, right? But in terms of one-on-one, I'm going to go through you, over you, around you. It does not matter. I'm getting to the rim or I'm getting fouled. That's Giannis. That's his game. If anybody breeds free throw shots, it's Giannis Antetokounmpo. Two players on the Celtics yesterday took more free throws than Giannis did. Giannis had 10 free throw attempts yesterday. Hit seven of them. You'll take it. The Celtics got more free throws. In fact, we talked yesterday night that during the regular season, Milwaukee was 11th in the league in free throw attempts. Just over 23, around 24 per game. Boston was second to dead last in the entire National Basketball Association. They took around 19 threes a game. Well, yesterday... We saw that swing a little bit closer. We saw that trend kind of continue. Milwaukee shot 25 free throws. Boston shot 30. Boston shot more free throws yesterday. Even though every statistic, every eyeball test, every metric should tell you that that shouldn't happen. It did. And we all kind of expected it, right? We thought that the refereeing might swing back to the Celtics case. Might uh, be an advantage for the Celtics. And it absolutely was. Absolutely. And not only did they get more free throws, those fouls came at times and at places and on players that could not have been more advantageous to the Bucs. We all talk about how the Bucs make their money in the third quarter, right? And they did yesterday. Anyways, it didn't matter. But yesterday in the third quarter, uh, the foul bug hit the, hit the Bucs hard. Giannis had two quick fouls going into half, which was a big deal because he picked up his fourth 
uh, about midway through the through the third quarter, which kept him on the bench. Okay, Chris Middleton, Giannis Antetokounmpo were both on the bench for the closing minutes of the third quarter, a good portion of what would have been their playing time in the third quarter. And that's where Boston flopped. That's when Boston should have grabbed hold of the game, should have went on a run. When when the most dominant player in the NBA, Giannis, and the Bucks' second-best player, Chris Middleton, were both on the bench with foul trouble. That's where Boston should have made their run. And instead, the third quarter closed with the Bucks' advantage 17-7 to with Giannis and with Middleton both on the bench. I'm not saying they were handed a gift. I'm not, I'm not saying the referees tried to, to help Boston out, but it was certainly more equal, more even than it was on Friday night. Boston had, Boston had Marcus Smart coming back, which I think, he's a, I think he's a wildly overrated player, but he's the heart and soul of the team, and they're at home, and it was something to rally around. There were so many things pointed in the direction of the Boston Celtics right now. There were so many things pointed in the direction of the Celtics last night, and it didn't matter. Because the Bucs still outscored the Celtics by 10 in the third. They closed the quarter on a 17-7 run, even though their two best players, including, like I said, the most dominant player in the NBA, and maybe the number one Celtics killer uh, in recent history in Chris Middleton, they were both on the bench. With four fouls apiece. And it it didn't matter. Yesterday in the third quarter, Giannis only played three minutes and 42 seconds. Now, Chris Middleton played a little bit more. He played six minutes, but, I mean, you compare that to, to Kyrie Irving, he played 12 minutes. He played almost four times as many minutes as Giannis. The Celtics had their best player on the floor. Four times as much. Four times the minutes of Giannis, the Bucks' best player in the third quarter. And the Bucs still outscored him by 10. They still closed the quarter on a huge run. Like, what, what, what do you want to do with that? Where can you go from there? Because if you're talking about Game 5, let, let's talk about Game 5. Let's put ourselves in the shoes. Let's put ourselves in the mindset of the Boston Celtics. If you could create the perfect scenario for the Celtics to come into Pfizer Forum on Wednesday night and steal Game 5 and get back to Boston for Game 6 and extend this series, okay, what would need to happen? Well, you, Celtics would need to get to the, three, the free throw line a lot. You'd want Kyrie Irving there about 10 times. Help, Marcus Morris can get there 11 times too. Let's throw that in. And they need to get to the free throw line just about as many times, if not more, uh, than the Bucks. Well, that, ha- that, that happened yesterday. And they didn't do anything with it. Yesterday, the three-point shooting. The Bucks were 8 of 37. That's 21%. That stinks. And the Bucks, throughout the season up until this point, took and made more three-pointers than anybody but Houston. You know, the analytics machine, the numbers machine. More threes is better. More threes is better. More threes is better. The Bucks were right there. They took and made the second most Three-point shots in the entire NBA. Yesterday, they shot 21%. So if you're if you're the Celtics, you start looking for a recipe for success. Okay, well, we need to hold the Bucs to a really poor three-point percentage. We need to keep them from draining threes in our face. Well, you got that yesterday, and how did the Celtics respond? Well, they shot 22% from three. And if we really want to be specific, I really want to be a pain in the butt. Actually, the Bucs shot 21.6%. Celtics shot 22 even. Uh, so that's four-tenths of a percentage point of a difference. Like, like, you can't ask for a more opportune time to get hot, to hit shots, and run away with the game. The, the Bucks handed handed it over, said, we're going to shoot 21%, beat us. And the Celtics said, nah, no thanks. If, you're, if you want an ideal situation for the Celtics to win a game, you need foul, foul trouble with Giannis. And they got that. And, and to make it perfect, let's also get foul trouble with Middleton. 
and let's sit them down for, for the majority of the third quarter where they are often so successful so we can make our run because we're at home. Nah, they didn't do that either. That's why I don't see the Celtics winning a game on Wednesday night in Milwaukee. I just don't see it. Because last night was just about as poor a combination of factors for the Milwaukee Bucks as you could have asked for, as you could have cooked up without the refs cooking the books or without somebody getting ejected, right? In the realm of possibility, last night was just about the most perfect situation the Boston Celtics could have asked for. Poor three-point shooting from the Bucks, Foul trouble. The, 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 the refs called it as even as possible. Even though it shouldn't be called that way because the Bucks take a lot more free throws. That's how they're constructed, but whatever. Celtics shot more free throws than the Bucks last night, and they were at home. All things considered, the Bucks still got the Celtics to literally tap out in the final couple of minutes. They weren't even trying. They, they, just, they were sleepwalking on defense, which is why you heard the boos at the end. In, in round one, we sat here on this show. I talked to you about how I didn't think there was a single way the Pistons would win a game. I was like, There's, it's done. There's no way. I didn't think I'd be saying that about the Celtics because I thought this would be a closer series than it is. But before the series started, I, I said, look, I, I think there's a, a better chance the Bucks sweep this series than the Celtics actually winning. Now, that's not going to turn out to be true. That's not going to turn out to be factual because even if the Bucks do win on Wednesday night, uh, it'll, be a, it'll be a 4-1 sweep. It'll be a gentleman's sweep, if you will. But last night was the perfect opportunity, the absolute ideal opportunity for Boston to win a game. And the Bucks were still like, oh, we're fine, it, to the point where they didn't even care at the end of the fourth quarter, that Kyrie Irving had five fouls. They're like, we, he can play the rest of the game. We don't care. We're just going to do our thing. We're not even going to hunt him. We're not even going to try to switch him on the honest. I don't, we don't care. <laughs> we have, we're in that much control. We have that much autonomy over the result of this game and what's going on in Boston, mind you, that we don't care. Kyrie, do what you want. I don't know. That was a, that was a moment last night. That, that was a cocky moment for the Bucks. A good cocky, not a bad cocky. Cocky is probably a bad word. It carries a negative connotation. That was a confident moment last night for the Milwaukee Bucks. Celtics got the absolute perfect opportunity to win a game, and they really didn't even—they really didn't even sniff it. They weren't even close. Last night, I want to transition to this. Last night, I saw a couple of things. Uh, we talked more so last week and the week before about how Milwaukee is the better team. Boston is dysfunctional, and their talent has not lived up to expectations this year. And Kyrie has gone through slumps. He's going through one right now, and it's one of the worst of his playoff career. Certainly, the worst three-game stretch of his playoff career, and, and yet. People, Boston is going to win. Boston's going to win. I trust their coach. I trust their pedigree. I trust their playoff experience. I trust the... And I'm like, stop. Look at the numbers. Look at the games. Look at everything. They'll tell you that that's not the case. And still last night, I'm watching this game and I'm thinking, man, the NBA world loves some Boston. I want to talk about a couple funny things that jumped out to me last night. I'd love to get some texts, get some calls from you. 608-796-2558 on the five-star telecom talk and text line. This is the Wisco Sports Show presented by Play It Again Sports. More Bucks talk coming up next. They take a 3-1 lead. Hope to close it out on Wednesday night. I'll be back in a moment here on WKTY. Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. I'm your host, Grant Bills. The more I read, the more I, I, I study, the more I watch, I, I'm getting doubtful that there is a team... Who can beat this Bucks team four times? I love Philly. They are incredibly talented. I love Toronto because I love Kawhi Leonard. I, I just... Everything I'm seeing is, is pointing to the Bucks not slowing down anytime soon. This came across my Twitter timeline. You can follow me at Grant on Twitter. These are the Milwaukee Bucks plus-minus leaders through four games against Boston. This is tweeted out by Kane Pittman, uh, who's a member of that Bucks beat at every game at every press conference. You know, beat writers. 
He tweeted this out, plus minus for those who don't know, meaning when a player is on the floor, combine up all their minutes for a game. So let's say Giannis uh, played uh, played about 30 minutes. Those 30 minutes where he was on the floor, did the Bucks outscore the Celtics? Or were they outscored by the Celtics and how much? So if, if Giannis, in his time on the floor, the Bucks outscored the Celtics by four, Giannis is a plus four on that night. Here are the Milwaukee Bucks plus minus leaders through four games against Boston. Number five, let's count them down, okay? You would think starting five, right? Your five best players. Number five, Nikola Mirotic, plus 16. He's averaging, when the Bucks have Nikola Mirotic on the floor, they're averaging outscoring the Celtics uh, by 16. Chris Middleton at number four. Not surprising, Chris Middleton uh, has, has had a tremendous series, always great against the Celtics. Plus 17. So you're thinking, okay, three, two, one, Giannis got to be in there, Bledsoe's got to be in there, okay? Number three, Pat Connaughton, plus 17. And here's where it gets crazy, okay? Because now we're going to see a spike. It's no longer linear. 16, 17, 18. It's about to take a spike. Two, Ursan Ilyasova, a plus 31. So far this series, in all the time that Ursan Ilyasova's been on the floor, the Celtics have been outscored by 31 points. And number one, number one, obviously Giannis Antetokounmpo, right? No, George Hill, a plus 38. Imagine being the Boston Celtics because you go back to the beginning of the year, right? This was a super team. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and Terry Rozier had just finished an incredible run all the way to Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals, right? They were superstars in the making. You add into that Gordon Hayward. You add into that Kyrie Irving and Al Horford, who's a great veteran center who who can probably make everything glue together. Man, that's a super team. Imagine fast-forwarding to next May, being down 3-1 to the the Milwaukee Bucks. And the reason why is because George Hill is beating your ass like a drum for plus 38 minutes or plus 38 uh, in his time on the floor so far. Last night, it just continues to be impressive as an example of plus minus. Last night, uh, George Hill was plus 15. Pat Connaughton, plus 22. You get that production out of your bench and you have uh, who I consider to be the best player in the Eastern Conference right now, although I think it's very close with Kawhi Leonard. Joel Embiid, if healthy, is in there. Is in there too. The problem is he's just been a, a a walking doctor's office for the last couple of weeks. You get that kind of production out of your bench and the frontline star power that the Bucks have. Man, good luck to any team who's going to try to beat this squad four times out of seven. That's all I'm saying. But yet, some people were convinced uh, that the Celtics were going to do it last night. If you were an alien and you came down and you watched last night's game without any background, without any context. Right or not even be an alien. You're a sports fan, or maybe you're not a sports fan, and you you thought, all right, I'm a Brewers fan, I'm a Packers fan. I've never really been big into the NBA, but the Bucks seem really exciting. Giannis seems really entertaining. They have a new stadium, like, like the state feels just energized for this team right now. I'm gonna check this team out. So you watched last night, and you didn't have any context about the Celtics. You didn't have any background on the Bucks. You're just watching these two teams, and you're learning as you go. You would have been a little bit confused last night because there was a player who returned for the Celtics last night. His name's Marcus Smart, okay? Marcus Smart came back, and it was made into a huge deal. He hadn't played in a little bit over a month with that oblique injury. He came back in. He's the heart and soul of the Celtics. He's a, he's a vocal leader, and I'm not denying that, by the way. I don't mean to say that with derision. He's a vocal leader, right? He's the heart and soul of the Celtics team. He's a chemistry guy who's going to make this team click. Right, standing ovation when he comes back. And everybody's making a huge deal out of it, right? Well, well he, here's the funny part. If, if you would have had no background, if you wouldn't have known anything last night, just, 
Just looking at the box score. So really all that you would have seen on the floor last night. Marcus Smart, obviously coming back for an injury, he's not going to play huge minutes. He played 15. <laughs> he shot seven threes. And he breaks six of them. <laughs> he's one of seven last night. And if you wouldn't have known, if you wouldn't have had background, if you wouldn't have had context, you would have sat down, you would have watched. Boston's on their feet. Announcers are making a big deal. Well, this Marcus Smart kid, he's probably pretty good. Well, let's see something. And he breaks he bre- he breaks six out of seven threes last night. No! And I and look, I'm not a Marcus Smart fan, so that probably impacts uh, the, the conversation. Remember, he and if you didn't know this, he he punched a fan in college. Now I'm sure the fan called him a, a horrible name or a horrible word because you don't see college athletes just jump into the stands and throw punches. It happens, but you don't see it very often. That's what I will always remember Marcus Smart for. And last night he comes in, he gets a standing ovation, and they make a huge deal of it. This guy, he's going to fix the Celtics. They're down 2-1. They, they need to tie this up. This is a must-win game. They're going back to Milwaukee. They can't be facing elimination. Marcus Smart, our savior. Everybody's on their feet, and he shoots seven threes, and he bricks six of them. The Celtics are thinking, thank God he's back, because now we don't, we don't have to cover a guy. We don't have to close out on him. Oh, my God. You would have been confused. There had to be one of our listeners last night who was watching the Bucks for the first time, watching a playoff game for the first time, and thinking, wow, there's a lot of hype coming over this Marcus Smart fella. They're making a big deal. Let's see what he's got. And then he... I'm sorry. I'm losing it. I'm making myself laugh. That's because this situation's just funny to me. Marcus Smart, glad he's back. Glad he's back. I tweeted as such last night. Uh, at Keystroker Grant, you can follow me there. Another weird, uh, another weird instance last night. This was after the game. So, so Kyrie is in the midst of one of the worst stretches of his his recent career. Let's say his playoff career, because that's pretty undisputable. I'm sure there's been doldrums and stretches of regular season play where he hasn't been great. But but this stretch of playoff games has been it's been putrid. It's been bad. And a reporter asked him about it last night. And once again, I'm going on the premise, if this was the first NBA press conference you've ever watched, you would have thought this is pretty weird, pretty odd, pretty out there. So Kyrie Irving last night, not only did he not have a great night scoring the basketball, it was in the way he scored uh, that made it all the worse. Kyrie Irving last night was, he had 23 points. He was 7 of 22 total, 1 of 7 from 3, and he got 8 of his points at the free throw line because he got there 9 times. Remember, this is the guy... On Monday, he, he was mad that the free throws were slowing the game down, right? Well, he got eight of his points there. You take away his points, he would have had 15, and we'd really be having a conversation today. Kyrie was minus six last night. Well, a reporter asked him, you're in the midst of one of the, the worst shooting stretches, and, and you'll hear the details from the reporter him, himself. Have you ever gone through a stretch like this? I mean, what's, what's the sitch, Kyrie? Have you ever had a shooting stretch like this? I think it's now at this point uh, 19 for 62. Yeah, who cares? Who cares? I'm... Um... <laughs> Basketball player. I'm, I'm a basketball player. Who cares? What? 19 of 62. 19 of 62 in the last three games. Have you ever had a stretch like this? Now at this point, uh, 19 for 62. Yeah, who cares? Who cares? I'm a I'm basketball player. I'm a basketball player. Basketball I'm a ba- player. I'm a basketball player, man. 9 of 62. 9 of 62 or 19 of 62, excuse me. 19 for 62. Yeah, who cares? Man, who cares? Who cares? All right. I'm a basketball player. I'm out here. I'm taking shots. Who cares? Yeah, who cares? Man, who cares? Seriously. And I was watching that last night. I was like, is this real life? Is this, is this happening? Am I watching this Kyrie Irving press conference? This is the comment that came later. And I share this with you because I'm genuinely entertained by it as a sports fan. 
uh, enjoying the Bucks win, enjoying the 113-101 uh, win that basically forced a tap-out last night from the Celtics in the fourth quarter. And they they're talking to Kyrie uh, last night, he shot the ball 22 times. Now, to put that into perspective, like I said, maybe you are just getting into the NBA just because the Bucs are drawing you in. Marcus Morris shot 10 times. I'm looking at the other starters. Marcus Morris shot 10 times. Jason Tatum, 14. Al Horford shot 16 times, but he hit eight of them. So that's a pretty efficient night. You can't really complain about 16 shots if you hit half of them. Jalen Brown took 11, hit five. All right, that's not bad. Well, Kyrie Irving was seven for 22. Okay, at some point, you know the expression, shoot or shoot, right? At some point, if you're not hitting, you gotta, you got to do something else. Well, well, they asked him about the, the 7 for 22 last night. This is what Kyrie Irving had to say. Get ready. You might you might have to laugh. You know, for me, the 22 shots, you know, I should have shot 30. Should have shot 30. I mean, it really, I'm not great of a shooter. I'm not great of a shooter. <laughs> I should have shot 30. You know, for me, the 22 shots, you know, I should have shot 30. You know, it, it really, I'm not great of a shooter. I'm not great of a shooter. 19 for my last 62, everyone. Uh, have I been through a stretch like this before? Uh, I don't know, but really, who who cares? I mean, a 19 or 62. Yeah, who cares? I'm that great of a shooter. I should have shot 30 times. I wish he would have. I wish he would have shot 30 times last night. It was a weird game last night. And, and naturally, a lot of the conversation this morning, because of the way last night went, because of the way it transpired, was more about bad Celtics than good bucks. And that's fine. I don't care. But with Kyrie's impending free agency and the talent they have on this team, and, and it, to make it more interesting, if you're not familiar with the background of the, of the situation, the Celtics made the Eastern Conference Finals last year. They're a game away from getting bounced in the first round. Kyrie Irving was not healthy last year. Jason Tatum, or excuse me, Gordon Hayward was not healthy last year. These young players, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Terry Rozier, and then throw Marcus Morris in that group as well, Al Horford, they did this without Kyrie last year. So that, that just makes the situation all the more interesting, all the more dramatic. These players probably feel like they, they could do this without Kyrie, and Kyrie's hoisting up 22 shots a game, going 19 for his last 62. Yeah, who cares? Yeah, who cares? Yeah, who cares? I, I agree. Who cares? Shoot your way right out of the damn series for all I care. I'm a Bucks fan after all. 113-101, the, the final score last night. We're looking forward uh, to Game 5, which will be on Wednesday. The Bucks will go for the gentleman's sweep back at the Pfizer Forum and hope to avoid traveling out to Milwaukee or back out to Boston. We'll see if if, if Malcolm Brogdon is is getting close to return. We thought, or, or we actually we, we halfway expected last week that we might see him back for Game 3 in Boston uh, when we talked to Justin Garcia of the Bucks Radio Network. That didn't turn out to be the case. We thought, well, certainly if it wasn't... It wasn't Friday night. It would have been last night. Well, that wasn't the case either. And then we realized, oh, yeah, the Bucks are that much better. It doesn't really matter. Who cares about Malcolm Brogdon? Yeah, who cares? Exactly. Now, Malcolm Brogdon is no Marcus Smart. He will be a huge get back for the Bucks at whatever point. Hopefully, if uh, not whatever, but whenever, uh, should he return. And we'll talk about that when the time comes as well. I do want to continue to talk about the Bucks' depth. We were talking about the plus minuses and how George Hill, Ursan Ilyasova, Pat Connaughton have just been machines. And look, if you get that kind of production off your bench where where George Hill, Ursan Ilyasova are both plus 30 so far this series and Pat Connaughton and Chris Middleton, uh, specifically Pat Connaughton since at plus 17, like if that's your depth, Good luck beating this team four out of seven times. I want to talk about the depth. And we'll also talk about the Brewers coming up next. The Wisco Sports Show. Time to wrap things up uh, here on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. 
My name is Grant Bills. I'm your host. I, I, I hope you're having as much fun as I am today. Because that's really the point, right? That's why we're here. But I, I'm endlessly entertained by the situation. The drama of the NBA, uh, all the background noise of the NBA. There's more drama. There, there's more... There's more of a story to sink into than in any other league. Like if the NBA's or the NFL is your thing, the, the on-field product is spectacular. There's not the drama that the NBA has. The Kyrie Irving upcoming free agency and the young players who apparently don't like him on his team. Like they like there's just beef. There's just drama, and I am here for it today. Here for it. We were talking about the Bucks' depth, and right now their plus-minus leaders include George Hill and Ursan Ilyasova, who are have been wildly effective. Not just a little effective, they've been wildly effective. And Pat Connaughton, who, who's uh, sitting at a plus-17 so far for this series. You get that kind of production from your bench. It, it, look, you have the best player in the Eastern Conference, in my opinion, right now in Giannis. And even if he was the second, even if he was the third, you're getting that kind of production out of your bench. It's going to be, you can't beat this team four times out of seven. And I'm interested to, to try to watch it go down. The, the depth is absolutely unreal. And the narrative before the series, if you'll remember, was the Celtics are deeper. Right? The Celtics have a deeper bench. Now, I didn't expect this from George Hill. I don't know, I don't know where this came from. I have no clue where this came from. Uh, but the way that he's performed for this Bucks team, he's been the best point guard on the floor. Better than Eric Bledsoe. But yes, better than Kyrie Irving. Yes, he's been better than Kyrie Irving. Much like Terry Rozier was somehow better than Eric Bledsoe last year in the Bucks-Celtics series in the first round, this year, George Hill has been not only better than Eric Bledsoe, but better than Kyrie Irving. Bet, and if anybody tries to tell you otherwise, if they try to, well, yeah, okay, George Hill's been good. He hasn't been Kyrie. He has been better in every statistical category. He's been more efficient. He's had fewer turnovers, shooting at a higher percentage. He's more effective when he's on the floor. The team is more effective when he's on the floor. Unreal. George Hill, is, uh, is he went to school at IUPUI in Indianapolis. And it's not a school that you oftentimes see a lot of professional athletes come from. It's not the Alabama of football, right? It's not the Duke or, or Kentucky or the, the North Carolina of basketball. IUPUI. And I, I, had a fun, I had a funny exchange today. I wanted to tell this uh, to our listeners. I want to tell you this. Before I got off the air today, I, I, I have a cousin who, who lives in Indianapolis. I see him probably once. I haven't seen him in five years. I hardly ever see him. Uh, he is a doctor. He's about ten. He's about ten years older than me. Well, he he's George Hill's age because he also went to IUPUI. And I texted him today uh, for the first time in in I don't know. I haven't talked to him in years. I said, "Yo, Spencer, what's up? Just wanted to connect. Hope you're doing well." I I, I had to share with you. I, I just think it's hilarious that George Hill went to IUPUI, and every time it comes up, I am the only person in the room who knows about that university, knows what IUPUI stands for, uh, and 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 is familiar with that school. And he says, oh yeah, George Hill. George Hill was there when I was there. I used to go watch him play basketball. As a matter of fact, he used to come over to our uh, to our frat house and, and party with us on the weekends sometimes. I'm thinking, what? what? I, expe- I expected him to go. Because my cousin Spencer, uh, he is a doctor. He is a, he is a surgeon, right? Like, I didn't picture him as, as the partying type. I didn't picture him as the, as the sport-going type, although I know he likes sports. Oh yeah, I know. I, we used to hang out with George Hill. He was a nice guy. Okay. And, and the and the plot thickens. I just had to laugh. IUPUI George Hill, almost plus forty so far in this in this series against against the the Celtics. It's unreal to me. You have that kind of depth. Uh, good luck to whoever has to play him. Uh, the Brewers have won four in a row. They'll try to continue it tonight. Pre-game starts at six oh five. Right after we say goodbye, a uh, first pitch at around six forty. Here's the starting lineup. It's interesting uh, because Freddie Peralta has has kind of now assumed a nebulous role in the rotation. You don't really know if he's in, if he's in the bullpen, he, he's in the majors, he is healthy. 
Uh, but tonight it looks like he's going to be used, but after an opener. So Kane, Yelich, Mustakis, one, two, three. Grandal's catching, hitting fourth. Gamble's in left, so Braun gets the night off. He's hitting fifth. Aguilar, sixth. Shaw, seven. Arcia at short at eight. And then Adrian Hauser's going to get the start, as you just heard our friend Ebo from the zone, uh, the Wisconsin Sports Zone update just a couple of moments ago. Adrian Hauser's going to get the start tonight. And I. I don't want to use the word opener because if Adrian Hauser is pitching well and he's rolling, you better not pull him out. Like Adrian Hauser is a starting pitcher. He's not a bullpen pitcher. He's he's up from the minors. He's on the younger side of things. But he's a starting pitcher. If he gets rolling, let him go. If Freddie Peralta doesn't need to pitch tonight, he, he doesn't need to pitch. But I think the Brewers' plan is to let Hauser go as long as he can. And then the moment he sniffs a little bit of trouble, then Freddie Peralta comes in in relief. And then we'll see if the result is any different. I, I guess the, the strategy makes sense. The adjustment makes sense. If your pitcher can't get through the first two innings without giving up handfuls of runs, just don't make him don't make him pitch the first couple of innings, I guess. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, unfortunately, if Freddie Peralta comes in in the third, comes in in the fourth, uh, and his struggles begin there, uh, it's the same problem. It's just in a different location throughout the game. Look at it that way. So Kane, Yelich, Moustakis, Grandal, Gamel, Aguilar, Shaw, Arcia, Hauser, the Brewers will try to make it five in a row. Like I said, it's just, it's the Mets. You just need a weekend series with the Mets. They, two weeks ago, they had one of their worst weeks of the year, and then they, they get a weekend set against the Mets, win two or three, and they get right. Then they start to struggle in the middle of the week, and they get back to the Mets uh, this previous weekend, and they sweep them at Miller Park. So they're in the midst of a, of a long 10-day homestand right now. We'll see if they can continue to keep the ball rolling tonight. If they if playing the Mets is what it takes, I guess that's what it takes. Ryan Brown out of the lineup to the night. Christian Yelich. In Mustak is hitting third. Brondahl cleanup tonight. So that's your situation for the Brewers. Pre-game at 6.05. Bucks will be heard tomorrow night here on WKTY as they try to make it 5-1, a gentleman's sweep, uh, and send the Boston Celtics home. Brewers will be over on Wisdom tomorrow night. That's going to do it for the show. I'll be back same time, same place tomorrow. We'll talk about it all. Brewers hopefully talking about another win, and we'll get ready uh, for the Bucks game tomorrow night as well. Wisco Sports Show. Hang around for the Brewers right here on WKTY.